welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I am David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yeah. How you doing? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm doing okay. Um, I, uh, 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 <laughs> I was going to say that I can uh, move my head back and forth. Uh, <laughs> but that's you. I, I, I stole your glory. Don't steal my thunder. I, I suppose now you're going to talk about how you can clench your butt. I, I can't. I've been working on 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 that, but uh, oh, oh uh, I can tell. <laughs> sorry, I didn't. Just... I can tell. <laughs> All right, sorry. We are using one mic, same as last time. Um, so I keep forgetting to uh, pass the mic uh, to to Tyler because of my ego. Um, but we're back at the hospital. This is. Um, potentially the last time we're doing this from this hospital, because you were on the move, right? That's right. Uh, tomorrow, hypothetically tomorrow, I'm going to a facility that specializes in uh, neurological injuries and unique illnesses like uh, West Nile. Yeah. 45. I don't know if there will be uh, those announcements going on at the new place but uh but yeah the people here have been so kind to me and i'm actually i'm actually gonna miss some of the staff but i'm excited for this new place partially because there's the possibility that my kids will be able to come and see me oh that's exciting yeah i haven't seen them in four and a half months Jesus yeah it's it's pretty rough but we FaceTime and they know who I am and last week Dashiell said for the first time I love you daddy that was uh, pretty rough but also wonderful it's wonderful yeah it's, it's a great thing yeah but but speaking of people that love me, I've been looking at everybody's uh, replies to la- the, uh, the last the last episode I was on, and everyone has been so kind on Twitter and in the comments, and uh, you know when you're a podcaster, you just do what you do every week and. You you know you have listeners, and you know you have fans, but, you know, I think I didn't really realize... RNRC at 851, please. That's the problem with doing this around the shift change. I don't think I realized that I meant so much to complete strangers. So I really appreciate all your encouragement. But enough about that. What are we doing? <laughs> well, first, I want to tell you about TweakedAudio.com. TweakedAudio.com is where you go for professional quality earbuds in a variety of stylish styles and colorful colors. They look great. They sound great. Uh, 
Normally, I would say here that Tyler and I use them each and every day of our lives. I don't know how often you have your earbuds in. I know you're listening to the TV through your little, like, remote control there. Um, uh, any any thoughts on earbuds? Uh, I miss them, just like I miss uh, pizza and walking and my kids. And that's it. <laughs> um... Uh, so today I was listening to, I guess, just all all metal. Um, I listened to a recent album from a band called Phantom Spell that was real uh, kind of spooky and witchy and, and heavy, and I, I really liked it. It sounded great on my tweakedaudio.com earbuds that are available at a low, low price low, low price at tweakedaudio.com, but if you use the offer code PRETENSION at checkout, you get one-third off that low, low price and no shipping charges. So please go to tweakedaudio.com and use the offer code PRETENSION. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Tyler? Yes. Let's get into it, shall we? Uh, this was... Uh, we're doing an episode that you... Uh, that, yes, yes, you invented. Uh, um, uh, in, in which you sort of helped me put together my uh, festival schedule. I'm going to Sundance for the first time since January of 2020, and I, would, I need your help putting, making some decisions between movies. I hope everyone... Uh can he can uh, he hear the eye roll because I don't help him put his schedule together he doesn't do what I say at all although now maybe I might be able to guilt him into doing that we'll see yeah are you going to deny the request of a paralyzed guy yeah I mean you're not like all the way paralyzed I guess that's true. I mean, you've got prospects. If you were like, you know, if if you were on your deathbed, but you're not. You're on your recovery bed. I could be on my deathbed. So could anyone. All you got to do is like, just do a karate chop to your left, and there goes my trach. I'll be careful not to do any karate chop. I'll 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 I'll, I'll, I'll keep my karate chops rightward. Is what I'll do. That's a good call. Okay, so, um, well, you say that, like, this is all, you didn't say bullshit, but this is all, uh, bullshit, all kayfabe, um, but I did actually pick movies that are, like, screening against one another, um, this time, as opposed to just picking movies at random, which is what I've done in the past. Okay, well, that, that's, that's good, um, one of the reasons that I'm glad we're, we're doing this episode is it you're the one that has to talk for most of it and then I can just say yay or nay yeah but hopefully you'll have some snarky comments or other nay (laughs) you're gonna let down all those listeners who tune in for Tyler's snark um alright this is very difficult to do with uh just the one hand so our first two contenders for movies that I might see 
um, at, at Sundance. First one is The Eight Mountains. Now this is in the spotlight section of, of Sundance, which means this is um, not a premiere. This is a movie that has played in other festivals. They have a very small selection of movies that they like, that their programmers have seen at other festivals that they're like, we want to highlight here. So The Eight Mountains, uh, I'm not sure where else it played, but, um, oh, Cannes, it played at Cannes. Um, but it's co-directed by Felix Van Groningen, who made um, uh, The Broken Circle Breakdown, um, which was very good. And then he also made Beautiful Boy, which was very bad. Oh, yeah, I didn't see it. I I was curious about it until, until I heard your take and then figured I'd just skip it. Um, all right, so here's the quick... Uh, I'm just going to read a little bit of the, the description, just the first part. Uh, Pietro, a city boy who visits the tiny mountain village of Grana with his mother one summer, meets a local herder boy, Bruno. Both 11 years old, they become friends over ensuing summer trips. Ten, uh, years later, Pietro's father dies, leaving him a remote plot of land high on the mountain. He reunites with Bruno to rebuild the collapsed house there, rekindling his connection to the mountain and his friendship with Bruno, which continues as they navigate life, dreams, and relationships. All right, that... That sounds like it has potential. I, I could see it being very touching, but I could also see it being not necessarily quirky, but just like the idea of friends gathering together to like build this thing. It just, I could see it being uh, a, little, a little cloying. What's it up against? Okay, so, um, Run Rabbit Run. Now, this is in the midnight section, even though it's not airing, uh, screen I keep saying airing, screening at midnight from the, for the press and industry, which is what I'm looking at. But, uh, so that means genre, horror type stuff. Um, this is directed by someone named Dana Reed, who has done, among other things, episodes of The Handmaid's Tale. And it stars Sarah Snook, Damon Harriman, uh, uh, Charles Manson himself, um, and Greta Scacchi, Run Rabbit Run, Fertility Dr. Sarah begins her beloved daughter Mia's seventh birthday expecting nothing amiss. Well, that, that was the first mistake. Uh, but as an ominous wind swirls in, Sarah's carefully controlled world begins to alter. Mia begins behaving oddly, and a rabbit appears outside their front door, a mysterious, mysterious birthday gift that delights Mia, but seems to deeply disconcert Sarah. As days pass, pass Mia becomes increasingly not herself, demanding to see Sarah's long-estranged, hospitalized mother, the grandmother she's never met before, and fraying Sarah's nerves as the child's bizarre tantrums begin to point her towards Sarah's own dark history. As a ghost from her past re-enters Sarah's life, she struggles to cling to her cling to her distant young daughter. Alright, that sounds pretty good. Um, and uh, looking at the still of uh, a little girl in a uh, sort of a paper bunny mask. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, I'm still talking. Uh, both of these sound pretty good, but I would say go with Run, Rabbit, Run. Okay, yeah, that, that ominous wind um, yeah. definitely intrigued me. Okay, so that's one down. Next up on... Oh, my gosh. All right, I'll get better at this. I promise. 
Okay, and maybe I won't read so much of the descriptions because uh, that took a little too long. Okay, next up is... Um, how do you say this? Lemoncita? Uh, Lemoncita, yeah. But not lemon, like right, yeah. the Imoncita. Um, and um, this is also in Spotlight. It played at Venice. Um, it stars Penelope Cruz. Um, it's an Italian film, not a Spanish film. It's an Italian film in Italian, but stars Penelope Cruz. Um, in the early 1970s, Rome is a city in transition. As an emerging middle class supplants an antiquated family dynamic, Clara and her husband, Felice, move into a new apartment with three children. Stuck in a languid marriage to an unfaithful and abusive husband, Clara focuses her attention on the kids, connecting with them by channeling her own inner child. I'm going to stop there. Uh, this does not interest me. <laughs> I don't know why. It's just... I'm sure it's fine, and I'm sure... I'm sure she's really good in it, but just, I don't know, I, the less movies, sorry, the fewer movies, the fewer movies there are about the inner child, the, the happier I am. Um, yeah, that's, uh, you know, I was so put off by the uh, abusive husband thing yeah. that I was, I, I had already kind of started to tune out. Um, before that. So that's up against a movie called Rye Lane. R-Y-E, like the um, uh, uh, the bread. Mm -hmm. um, which reminds me of a joke. So uh, during like heavy pandemic quarantine time, Natalie and I were getting her parents groceries every week. And they're, one of their favorite breads uh, to make sandwiches with is dill rye. Which Natalie started calling dill rye lindo. <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. Uh, so now I can't see the word right without thinking of Dil Rye Lindo. Um, so, uh, so direct, uh, Rye, um, Rye Lane is directed by Rain Allen Miller um, and stars no one I've ever heard of. Uh, I think this is a first feature, maybe? Um, yeah, she's made some shorts, I guess. So... Dom and Yass's paths collide at the least opportune time when Dom is ugly crying in a toilet stall, stealing himself for an awkward meal with his ex who cheated on him with his best friend. Nursing her own breakup wounds, freewheeling Yass decides to jump headfirst into the fray to lessen the sting as Dom's date. What follows is All a... All right, I have heard enough. I've heard enough. You know one thing I, I like less? Then inner children. What's that? Freewheeling women <laughs> who decide to like, hey, I'm, I'm gonna do this quirky thing, and I'm gonna help this poor sad man. Yeah, yeah, I think I'm with you. So I think the other one is what you should go with. La Emencita. At least it's. I, I do try. Like Sundance is such a U.S. heavy festival. I do try and see. A couple international features while I'm there, so maybe Lam and Sita could share, could uh, uh, fill that that slot. Yeah, I, and you know what I mean. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's not actually that bad of a movie, but but I do agree with you about like the the abusive husband thing. Yeah, um, is in that like, you know, you got to be careful with stuff like that. Because it could very easily just feel like a device, and 
I hate the idea of domestic abuse ever being re- reduced down to that. Absolutely, yeah. But uh, but who knows? Maybe they maybe they handle it okay. Oh, I wish you could see what I just saw. Me trying to drink water through a mask. Yeah, yeah. that was great. Um, so, David, what's what's up next? Hold on a second. I was hoping you could vamp while I could drink this water. Vamping is not something that's very uh, very easy for me to do right now. Um, okay. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, what else? Is, what else is in the news? You watch the news, right? Uh, okay, we're uh, done. Uh, I've been told that uh, that it's been raining a lot. Yeah, yeah. That's all I got. Okay, yeah, it rained uh, a whole hell of a lot. Um, okay, next up is a documentary called Still, a Michael J. Fox movie. This is directed by Davis Guggenheim, oh, right. you know, from uh, Inconvenient Truth and uh, what was the one I didn't like? Waiting for Superman. Waiting for Superman. Um so, uh, which is of course about uh, Bob Superman, who just takes his sweet time. You can't count on that guy. Uh, so, uh, still a Michael J. Fox movie. At age sixteen, an undersized army brat landed a part as a twelve-year-old on, on a Canadian television show. Confident he could make it in the U.S., he moved into a tiny apartment in the slums of Beverly Hills. Not the movie but the actual slums, I guess. Three years later, he was struggling to escape by and ready to retreat, but then came his breakout roles, Alex P. Keaton and Marty McFly. Okay, you get it. It's a documentary about Michael J. Fox. Yeah, I realized, like, I realized about halfway through what you were saying, like, oh, right, yeah, we uh, we don't really need to read the description. <laughs> okay, what's, what's it up against? So it's up against another documentary. This one's called uh, Against the Tide. Uh, every year when we, I mean, it's been a few years. Every year I do the Sundance preview. Sundance is so doc heavy that I do so many docs on the preview episode, and then I end up seeing almost none of them. <laughs> I see like maybe a doc every year at Sundance. But uh, um, why do you think that is? I think that generally the kind of documentaries that I'm increasingly interested in are not the kind that get into Sundance. The Sundance documentaries are either biographical docs like this or social issue documentaries. There's very little of the sort of uh, textured, exploratory type of documentaries that I actually have come to like a lot. Okay, yeah, that that makes sense. What what is this one about? So this one is from India. It's called Against the Tide. Uh, Rakesh and Ganesh are so close they consider themselves brothers. I wonder if they built a house together. Uh, both are fishermen of Bombay's indigenous Kohli community, but they've taken contrasting paths. Rakesh uses his inheritance, his father's boat, and the knowledge passed down by the generations of Kohli fishermen to fish in the traditional ways, while Ganesh, who was educated abroad, has instead embraced modern technology-driven and environmentally destructive methods of deep-sea fishing, causing infre- increasing friction between the friends all right that oh shoot yeah they both sound pretty good i feel like honestly i feel like i'd go with against the tide because the michael j fox one like i'm sure it's interesting and i'm sure it's i'm sure it's very touching but at the same time 
I feel like you kind of know what you're going to get. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like what you're going to get in Park City is Michael J. Fox perhaps in attendance, oh. or maybe not with it. Like maybe he's, I don't know, with his health issues, if, uh, if, if, uh, because uh, we're still in a COVID world. I don't know if he's, uh, uh, but yeah, that's, that seems like the draw there. Yeah, I could see it being that and just, and you know, no offense to uh, Dave's Guggenheim, but even if it's, even if it's a movie about an actor that is really well liked and that is, and, and that I like personally, you know, just, another movie about a Hollywood type. Do we really need that? I'm joking. Go on, sorry. Yeah, how about more movies about uninteresting people? <laughs> uh, so, okay, so so you picked Against the Tide. Okay, moving on to the next matchup. This is another celebrity bio doc. Oh. It's called Pretty Baby, Brooke Shields. The difference here for me I don't know if you saw this. It's directed by Lana Wilson, who directed Miss Americana, the Taylor Swift documentary, which I really liked. Which I sadly didn't see, but but I'm already interested in this because Brooke, Brooke Shields, unlike Michael J. Fox, you know, there are people that don't even really know who she is. Her, her career has been, like, really up and down, and I'm really interested to see... You know, someone would say that she's like a, a B-list celebrity, and I'd be interested to see uh, how the uh, documentary how, how the documentary frames that. And I'm sure that they probably have uh, a lot of access to her as well. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm I'm guessing so. Uh, there's also the fact that as the, I didn't. As we learned from the Michael J. Fox thing, I didn't really read the description, but um, the movie is clearly about how she, as an actress, was sexualized at a very young age before oh, yeah. she sort of had her own agency. I don't mean agent, like <laughs> her agency as a, a as a person. And that, to me, that seems like no disrespect to Michael J. Fox and the struggles that he's had, but um, that seems like uh, more fertile ground, I guess. Yeah, because was she in... Uh in the first or second Blue Lagoon? Uh, I think the first one. I never saw you there. I'm pretty sure the first one. The second one is Heather Locklear, or no? Am I thinking of I'm thinking of Swamp Thing? Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, the second Blue Lagoon and Swamp Thing are very similar in a lot of ways. I've never seen either one, but they both take place in bodies of water. Yeah, and they actually both uh, they both feature a big swamp monster. Well, I think it's a lagoon monster in the other one. Oh, no, see, that's where they get you. They, uh... It's like Naked Lunch. <laughs> you know, the title is deceiving. Most of it takes place in a uh, fetid swamp. And, uh... These two attractive teenagers just wander around the muck uh, naked, and it's quite disgusting. Okay. Uh, so yeah, the first Blue Lagoon, 1980, Brooke Shields. The second one, I'm guessing, is 1991, Return to the Blue Lagoon, and that's Mia Jovovich. Oh, yeah. But unbeknownst to me, there is a there is a 2012 movie called Blue, Blue Lagoon, The Awakening, 
which is rated TV 14, so it's probably not quite, uh, um, I don't know the young woman in this, her name's Indiana Evans, um, but the, the fella in it is Brenton Thwaites. Oh, yeah, um, I know who that is. Of course, from Gods of Egypt. Of course, and, uh, and he's the lead in The Giver, I believe. The Giver, and then also the fifth uh, Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Oh. This guy is, uh, I hope he's fired his agent. Um, yeah, it's, I remember it being pretty good in The Giver. Yeah, and I, there's a science fiction movie called The Signal that he's in um, that I remember liking um, with uh, him and Olivia Cook. And I, I'm a big Olivia Cook uh, fan, and also Lawrence Fishburne has the, he was the guy they could afford to like do one scene to put on a poster in the trailer or whatever. Yeah, I always love that stuff. Um, inc- incidentally, because because I'm not around for the TV journal. Which we're not doing anymore, because t- Scott doesn't watch any fucking TV. What an asshole. I know. I know. That's my Phoebe uh, from Friends impression. <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, I, uh, I think I mentioned last time, I've been watching a lot of the History Channel, and there's a lot of new shows that are hosted by, like, pretty big names, like Pierce Brosnan... And uh, the aforementioned Lawrence Fishburne is uh, here to talk to us about uh, history's greatest mysteries. Wait, is it history's mysteries? Is that show still on? No, I don't think so. I, w- I would have delighted in it. Yeah. Uh, delighted in it if uh, if that's what it was called. But yeah. I think it's History's Greatest Mysteries. But there was a History Channel show like 20 years ago called History's Mysteries. Uh, yeah, I think so. And I thought this might be a uh, some kind of revival of that, but uh, no, apparently not. They don't reference it. And they clearly didn't have the rights to the name. <laughs> they had to throw Greatest in there. I guess so, yeah. Um, uh, like when you see a band touring and it's like so-and-so's like uh you know the spinners or whatever it's not the like legitimate spinners or whatever anyway okay so pretty baby brooke shields is up against a movie called earth mama this is i think also a first time feature um the director's name is savannah leaf um i'm looking at the cast list it's got uh Bo- the great bokeem woodbine is uh, a small role also the musical artist dochi i know you don't know who that is but uh those are the only two names that i know let's read this gia is a young mother fighting for her children her son and daughter are in foster care and now her unborn child could also be taken away struggling to work enough hours with court mandated classes she's barely making ends meet gia loves her children unconditionally but how will she give them the future they deserve all right, so ha- having taken a lot of classes about foster care adoption and that sort of thing, I think that there's a lot of uh, a lot of fertile ground there. I just worry that, like, you know, with this kind of thing, there's always always the possibility that uh, it could be a little bit exploitative without trying. So between the two, mm, that's tough. The exploitative movie or the movie about exploitation? That's a good point. 
Um, I'd say the Brooke Shields one. Pretty baby Brooke Shields. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, all right. Next up, Cassandro. And this is directed by Roger Ross Williams, um, who I don't know what else he's made. Um, but uh, it stars Gael Garcia Bernal and also uh, Raul Castillo, who is an actor that I like who seems to show up in a lot of things. Uh, I know you were, before we recorded, we were, you were talking Netflix's Hustle. Um, and there's a part where Adam Sandler calls, he works for the 76ers, I think, and he calls the lawyer who works for the 76ers. Do you remember the scene that I'm talking about? Yeah, I didn't see it. I thought you said you saw, oh, I see. I misunderstood you. When you said I saw that, oh. you were saying you saw the SAG nominations. Yes. I thought you were saying you saw Hustle. Oh, yeah, no, sorry. I, I meant I saw that Adam, Sand Adam Sandler was nominated for a SAG award. I see, that's right, okay. Um, well, uh, then Raul Castillo, Castillo, you've definitely seen him in something or other. Um, Once again, I've disappointed you and the listeners. Sorry, everyone. I've been watching a lot of Pawn Stars. Uh, because you didn't... Because you haven't seen uh, Hustle, everyone's mad at you? Oh, I see. This guy was in uh, The Terrible Army of the Dead. And the surprisingly good Wrath of Man. I didn't see Wrath of Man. He's in Little Fish, which I have seen. It says he's a cop in, in in the first Knives Out, which is the only one that's called that. Um, anyway, that's just a, a guy who's uh, in a ton of stuff. Oh, yeah. bless me, Ultima! I saw that. Um, yeah, yeah, damn man, like he works a lot more than I thought. Cold weather, I saw that one. Yeah, you 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 should see Wrath of Man. It I, is on my to see list. I think you'd like it a lot. You especially. But I don't, because I didn't like The Gentleman, so I was kind of like, eh, I don't care. But I've heard from enough people, including you, that, that Wrath of Man is, is worth watching. Yeah, I was really, uh, I was actually quite surprised by uh, how engrossed I was. Um, and I feel like someone I really like is in the cast of Wrath of Man. Uh, Holt McCallany? I do like him. Uh, Scott, Scott Eastwood? Oh, I know who I'm thinking of. I don't know if I really like, but uh, Neve Algar, and yes, that's how you pronounce that. Neve Algar um, was in Censor, which I saw at the Sundance, Virtual Sundance 2021, two years ago, and, and loved. Um, so I'm excited because I haven't, I've seen her in so little, but I liked her so much in Censor that I think uh, I wanted to see her in Wrath of Man. Yeah, she's, uh, she's, she's pretty good in that movie. Um so what what what's next well i haven't read to you the uh oh. description at all of of cassandro uh in the lucha libre wrestling scene of juarez mexico gay luchador saul saul uh, is tired of playing el topo a nondescript masked runt who always loses his matches he wants to be a star his fierce new trainer sabrina suggests he develop an exotico character an unmasked stereotypically effeminate role audiences love to hate but exoticos never get to win all that changes when saul debuts the flamboyant and powerful Cassandra who captures the crowd's attention and affection. So that's Cassandra. Sounds fun. 
Yeah, similar to uh, similar to this character, uh, uh, I'm out. <laughs> uh, wait, tell me why. That's very funny, but tell me why. Thank you. Um, yeah, that's the best I'm going to do today. Um, yeah, uh, just... You know what? Maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong, but like, I could see it being like, look at all this crazy zany stuff. And even though I'm sure it's not looking, even though I'm sure it's not looking down on the world of lucha libre, I feel like it could wind up just being like, just silly for its own sake. Yeah, I see what you're saying, but it's. It's Gal Garcia Bernal in the lead. Sure. He's, he goes along with me. And I think this, just from reading this description, and they, they mention the, I, I don't know anything about Lucha Libre, but they mention that the Exotico is a, is a standard like type of Lucha Libre character. That's, so it sounds like it could be a window into this world that I don't know anything about. So I guess I was, maybe I'm <laughs> basing too much on Sundance's description of the movie, but it, already, it felt more respectful and not clownish um, in that description. But all we have to go on is this one still of Gal Garcia Bernal with bleached blonde hair in a leopard print uh, onesie with like a, a pearl choker and some armbands. Yeah, I, uh, I definitely, looking at the still, I didn't recognize him. I don't think I would have recognized him if I hadn't read the name Gal Garcia Bernal. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I mean, he's always an interesting actor. I'm sure he'll do a lot with it. What's what's the other one? Okay, it's up against a movie called Fair Play. This is directed by Chloe Domont. Uh, don't know who that is. Um, and uh, it stars, among others, Alden Ehrenreich and Eddie Marsan, who I know is a, is a Tyler fave. Uh, yeah, I like both of them. And Eddie Marsan, yeah, he, he only makes the movie... He only makes the movies he's in better. Yeah. Uh, so fair play. Uh, hot off the heels of their new engagement, thriving New York couple Emily, Phoebe Dynavor, um, and Luke, Alden Ehrenreich, can't get enough of each other. When a coveted promotion at a cutthroat financial firm arises, supportive exchanges between the lovers begin to sour into something more sinister. Uh, so wait, do they work at the same company? As the power dynamics irrevocably shift in their relationship, Luke and Emily must face the true price of success and the unnerving limits of ambition. Is the... Okay. Do you get from that that they're supposed to be co-workers? Uh... That's kind of what I... What I... What I figure, but maybe not. Maybe... Maybe they're just going for the same job, but they work in different places? I don't know. But it says promotion, not a new job, so it oh. feels like... Yeah. Yeah, so they gotta be co-workers, right? I guess so, yeah. Yeah, um... What, what do you think of this? Uh, I'm definitely in, intrigued. Um, and I like... Like you said, I like Alden Aaron Reich. I don't know anything about Chloe Demont, but uh, let's see if we know any of the other uh, names involved here. Um, oh, Ryan Johnson is an executive producer here. Um, also, one of the producers is Ben LeClaire, who was a producer on a movie I was a PA on a million years ago. Um, I don't know where where are you leaning, Cassandra or Fair Play? Um, well, I do think Fair Play could feature some really good acting and 
could be like really uh like really biting satire i think probably cassandro even though i just uh talked about my reservations about it i th- i think cassandro could be the way to go yeah okay um all right, let's go through these uh, a little faster because I'm realizing I have more on here than I thought I did. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, okay. Well, I know you have places to be. <laughs> okay. All right, come here. Give me the mic. All right, let me explain. It is currently nighttime it is, and visiting hours officially end in about an hour and 15 minutes. After that, I'm by myself, and I cannot push my call light button. My my call light button, so I'm reliant on my visitors. And so, uh, before my visitors leave, I like to uh, call in my nurse and my RT. RNRCME to 45, RNRCME to 45. And, uh, kind of give them the rundown of what uh, what my night could look like. So yeah, I don't have anywhere to be. I'm going to be right here. But I do have stuff to do. Yes, yes. And this, this podcast stuff is just a waste of my time. <laughs> and it's a waste of everybody else's time as well. I don't know why you guys are listening to this, right? Oh yeah, this one especially. Do you really want to listen to this? Someone talking on the inhale? Come on. Yeah, people want to but people do want to hear about the movies that they're potentially going to be hearing about in the year to come. All right, so next up is a documentary called Squaring the Circle. It's directed by Anton Corbin, which is why I put it on oh, here. Yeah. Uh, but it's a uh, whether you're a fan of Pink Floyd or not, chances are you know exactly what the album covers of The Dark Side of the Moon and Wish You Were Here look like. But you might not be familiar with the creative duo behind, behind those iconic images. Storm Thorgerson and Aubrey Poe Powell, a.k.a. the innovative design studio Hypnosis. So this is a documentary about the guys who did the uh, Pink Floyd album covers and others as well. All right, well, that that's interesting because I'm always, like, I do find... Uh, movies about like creative people uh especially um something like this like uh i forget the name of the documentary about uh drew struzan yeah i know i can't remember but like you know like people who design stuff knowing that that's not why someone is watching or why somebody is engaging in that art, like like a movie poster or an album cover or whatever. And so, yeah, that, that's always very interesting to me. That's very true. All right, you, you sold me a little bit on it. Uh, but that's up against a movie called Polite Society, directed by um, a woman named Nita Manzor, um, who did... Okay, I didn't watch the uh, TV series We Are Lady Parts. Uh, I heard good things. She did the music for it. It's a fictional series about a fictional band called Lady Parts. Anyway. Um, and it seems to be a 
pretty much, uh, um, I'm not sure if it's, okay, it takes place in Singapore? Anyway, let me read this. Oh, okay, no, it seems to be like a British Indian cast. Um, a London schoolgirl and tireless martial artist, artist in training, Rhea Khan is determined to become a world-renowned stuntwoman. She's crushed when her big sister, sister Lena drops out of art school and starts dating Salim, the char charming wealthy son of the prominent Shaw family, and announces after barely a month they plan to marry and move to Singapore. How could Lena abandon her artistic dreams to become some trophy wife? But Rhea soon realizes that something isn't right, leaving her no choice but to enlist her friends in a daring mission to kidnap Lena from her own wedding. So it sounds like it's a action comedy, like a coming of age slash action comedy. Yeah. Um, and it sounds like it could be fun and certainly not take itself too seriously, which given the movies that you might be watching could be a, a breath of fresh air. Yeah. So I'd say go with polite society. Yeah, and it's also, it's in the midnight category, which makes me think it's probably more violent than that description uh, suggests, which I think is another point in its favor. Yeah, uh, I forget. Are, are movies, uh, are, are they rated when they get to Sundance? No, no. Okay, so yeah. Um, yeah, if it's, if it's an action movie and it's during the midnight section yeah i would assume that you're gonna see uh some hearts getting ripped out okay um next up is certainly not just by me but by a lot of people one of the most anticipated movies of this year's sundance film festival it's called cat person it is directed by uh susanna fogel um who uh, directed a movie called Life Partners that I think made my top ten list that year with uh, Leighton Meester and uh, I always forget her name um, Britt from Community and she was on Lo Love. What is her oh, name? Oh, uh, uh, microphone. Uh, Britta, please. Uh, I never actually uh, Gillian Jacobs. Gillian Jacobs, yeah. So I like Susanna Fogel. This is a movie that is based on the short story that appeared in the New Yorker that led to a lot of online discourse. Um, it stars uh, Amelia Jones and Nicholas Braun, also Geraldine Viswanathan, Hope Davis, Fred Melamed, friend of the show, and Isabella Rossellini. And uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a really good cast. I. I like Nicholas Braun, and of course, I hope Davis is always welcome. Uh, and since, for those of you like Tyler who never read Cat Person, <laughs> um, I'll read a little bit of the description. Uh, Margot, a college student working concessions in an art house theater, meets frequent film goer and rather older local Robert on the job. Flirtation across the counter evolves into continuous texting. As the two inch toward romance shifts between them, awkward moments, red flags, and discomforts pile up. Margot feels both atta attached and reticent as her gnawing hesitations blossom into vivid daydreams where Robert realizes his most threatening potential. As her distrust and uncertainty mount, an evening, their relationship, and possibly their lives unravel. All right, well, that definitely sounds intriguing. Yeah, it's a good short story. You should, you should read it. Um, and then uh, that is up against, for me, a movie called 
uh, movie called Eileen, directed by William Oldroyd. Um, I don't know him, um, but it stars Thomas McKenzie, Anne Hathaway, Shea Wiggum. Those are the names I know. Another good cast there. Uh, based on the book of the same name by literary powerhouse Otessa Moschweg. I know who that is. Uh, Eileen follows a peculiar young woman whose dreary, dreary life stretches on toward unending misery. In frigid 1960s Boston, uh, Eileen, this is Thomas and McKenzie, shuffles between her father's dingy, emotionally haunted home and the prison where she works alongside colleagues who have ostracized her. When an intoxicating woman, Anne Hathaway, joins the prison staff, Eileen is taken, just when the possibility of a salvational friendship, or maybe more, takes hold and forms a singular glimmer in Eileen's darkness, her newfound confidant entangles her in a shocking crime that alters all. Gosh, that also sounds pretty good. It really does. Um, I think maybe between the two, I guess just cat people. Cat person. Sorry, cat person. Um, There's already a couple movies called Cat People. <laughs> yeah, but this is the prequel. <laughs> before before they multiplied. Yeah, before uh, James Cameron decided to up the ante. Yeah, or before someone fed them after midnight. <laughs> hey, all right, now we're talking. Uh, okay. Wait, did I already do these? I think so. Oh. No, this is a new one. Okay. Okay, you and I were talking before we recorded about Possessor, which you haven't seen, but Brandon Cronenberg's new movie is called Infinity Pool. And if this is in the midnight section and if Possessor's any indication, it's going to be seriously fucked up. Um, How's your your saturation, by the way? Uh, As last I heard, it's at 100%. Damn right. That's the way BP does things. Um, So... uh, um, Infinity Pool is the new Brandon Cronenberg movie, and it stars Alexander Skarsgård and the name on everyone's lips this year, Mia Goth, uh, because of X and Pearl. Oh, yeah. Um, so, James and M. Foster take off to an all-inclusive beach getaway in the fictional state of Litolka to help jumpstart his writer's block. Their lazy days are spent relegated to their pricey resort, isolated from the surrounding land. Gabby introduces herself and her partner, Al, as she's a fan of James's last novel, and they would like to spend some time together with the Fosters. The couples plan a secret day trip outside the compound that ends in a fatal accident with James to blame. For a hefty price, there are loopholes to aid foreign travelers convicted of crimes there, which is how James is first introduced to a perverse subculture of hedonistic tourism. Hmm. It sounds interesting, sure, but... And the still definitely... uh definitely intrigues me but uh yeah like hedonistic hedonistic subculture i feel like uh it reminds me of hostile yeah i don't know if you'd seen possessor I think you'd have a better idea. I don't know, because I haven't seen the movie either. But I think you'd have a different idea. You'd be thinking more what I'm thinking, which is definitely very excessive and disturbing, but uh, intriguing. Yeah, I I mean, I I feel bad. I I feel like I'm coming down hard on these movies. I think you do this every time we do this on this preview. Yeah, I guess that's true. I got to contribute something. 
Uh, um, and I'm putting that up against a documentary called A Still Small Voice. Um, and this is directed by Luke Lorenzen, who made the documentary Midnight Family, which I think, whatever year that came out, was on my top ten movies of the year list. Yeah, I remember you loved it. Yeah. Um, so, still small voice. Um, Maddie is an aspiring chaplain on track to finish her year-long residency in the spiritual care department at the Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. She offers emotional support and spiritual care to patients wrestling with uncertainty, trauma, and grief. And she is doing so in 2020 and 2021, the two deadliest years in U.S. history. Is that true? Yeah. I mean, Civil War was pretty deadly, but did more people die of COVID than of... Uh, bad. That's honestly possible. Yeah. Um, finding balance become Maddie's daily fight especially when, as his supervisor, Reverend David, puts it, if your bandwidth is stretched, you don't have the room inwardly to metabolize the harder stuff. Anyway, so you got the point. Yeah. Um, yeah, this one definitely, uh, it's pretty close to home. Gee, I can't imagine why. Yeah. Uh, yeah, being in a position like I am in where you're not really sure what your future looks like, uh, it can definitely test your faith and your hope, whatever you put it in. And uh, having someone there to l sort of listen to to your inner struggles is invaluable. And so, but I also know because uh, I have a friend who's a chaplain at a uh, at a mission, I think. No, I don't remember, but anyway, yeah, he talks about how he he wants to be there for people, and he is, but yeah, like, after a while, he just, you just start to wear out, and uh, so yeah, this one sounds, definitely sounds interesting, and you know what, I'm going to recommend a song, I'm going to recommend a song. Although I don't totally remember who the artist is. The song is called Sorrow's Got a Hold on Me. And as far as uh as far as like Christian songs, it's definitely a good one because it it acknowledges the uh the, the darker moments. Paul Zach? Paul Zach, yeah. So, Sorrow's Got a Hold on Me by Paul Zach. It's really good. Uh, do you have a chaplain here at this hospital? Uh, no, I don't believe so. Also, this is a Presbyterian hospital. You don't need that, like, uh, <laughs> Calvinist bullshit, right? I'll take whatever I can get. <laughs> um, I couldn't remember what the uh, term for the Calvinism belief is, so that, like, everything's predestination. Oh, yeah. Isn't that a Presbyterian thing, or am I wrong? Or is that, am I thinking of Episcopalian? I may be thinking of Episcopalian. It's been a long time. Yeah, I mean, I definitely know that uh, predestination, like, that, that's definitely Calvinist, but to my knowledge, because uh, I, I went to a Presbyterian church for a while, and to my knowledge, predestination, at least in the way that people usually define it, uh, it is not one of the tenets. I was probably getting confused. I'm, I'm, I'm not a Christian. Uh, what? I'm not a good Christian. Uh, all right. 
let's zoom let's motor through a few more um invisible beauty is um another documentary directed by beth ann hardison Let's see. Fashion revolutionary and model turned agent and activist Beth Ann Hardison knew that black is beautiful well before the fashion industry acknowledged the truth. From walking runway shows alongside Iman and discovering supermodels like Tyson Beckford and mentoring icons like Naomi Campbell, Hardison uh, has been... Shit, I lost my place because my glasses are fogging up. Hardison has been at the epicenter of major representational shifts in representational shifts in fashion. So it's a documentary about, uh, I guess blackness and in, in in fashion and modeling that sounds good to me um especially because it's this idea that like there are these iconic models who are african-american and i think it's easy when we especially in a world like modeling or fashion i think it's just easy to like just accept the beauty of someone and just say, yeah, they're really gorgeous. So, you know, they're a model. But in the meantime, they've had to struggle tremendously in ways that they cannot show you. So that sounds really interesting to me. Okay. Uh, and I'm putting that up against a movie called Deep Rising. And this is another documentary directed by Matthew Wrights. Um Matthew Rice returns to Sundance with this up-to-the-minute tale of geopolitical, scientific, and corporate intrigue that exposes the machinations, 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 machinations of a secretive organization empowered to greenlight massive extraction of metals from the deep seafloor that are deemed essential to the electric battery revolution. So. So that sounds interesting, but at the same time, it also sounds. Uh, a lot like one of the shows that uh, that I've been watching on Discovery Channel, where just, man, there are so many shows devoted to people looking for gold and minerals and stuff. So between the two, I would say Invisible Beauty. Yeah, that sounds better to me too. Um, all right, next up, we've only got a few more. Um, the Persian version, directed by Miriam uh, Keshavars. Oh, she made a movie called Circumstance that I saw like over a decade ago. Um, coming from two countries at odds with each other, Iranian-American Layla strives to find balance and embrace her opposing cultures while boldly challenging the labels society is so quick to project upon her. When her family reunites in New York City for her father's heart transplant, Layla navigates her relationships from arm's length in an effort to keep her real life separate from her family life. However, when her secret is unceremoniously revealed, so are distinct parallels between her life and that of her mother. I cannot... Uh I can't really scrounge up an opinion. What What is with this, the Persian version? I know it rhymes, but a couple of years ago we had the 40-year-old version. Yeah. What is, why is version showing up in all these uh, movie titles? Yeah, I don't know. I don't consider it a very strong word. Yeah, it. you're right. It feels like a, like, it doesn't feel like a slur. It yeah. feels like you're slurring when you say it. Yeah, absolutely. Like the, the, the pronunciation of the S is, is not very strong. It feels like you're trying to say something else and you forgot. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a great point. Okay, so that is uh, up against a movie called Kokomo City, which is in the next section of the of the 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 festival, which is generally kind of I don't know more not necessarily avant garde because they have another section for that, but it's more um, I don't know youth oriented maybe. Oh. But not like for kids, like for cool kids, like art, like NYU kids or something like that. Um, this is directed by someone named D. Smith, um, and uh, oh, I guess it's a documentary. So uh, Kokomo City takes up a seemingly sim simple mantle to present the stories of four black transgender, transgender sex workers in New York and Georgia. Shot in striking black and white, the boldness of the facts of these women's lives and the earthquaking frankness they share complicate this enterprise, colliding the everyday with cutting social commentary and the excavation of long dormant truths. I'll say right now, striking black and white photography got me. Cutting social commentary uh, tends to... Uh, I, I don't know when something's too self-conscious with social commentary it often comes across as more of a lecture or a thesis than uh, uh, a, a film um, but I don't know what are your thoughts on Kokomo City yeah you actually singled out the two things that I that that that, that struck me the most uh, but it but in my case I see them both as a negative Oh, you don't like the striking black and white photography? Look, you're seeing these stills. Isn't that cool looking? Yeah. Yeah, it's not bad. It's more just like, I don't know. As you know, just just because I'm an asshole. <laughs> like the minute somebody says like, oh, I'm shooting this in black and white. My first thought is like, oh, you must be, you must be very important. And your film must be very serious. Yeah. And I, I've been wrong before. Yeah. But, yeah, it just... It makes me narrow my eyes a little bit. Um, Same with, with biting social sat... Biting... Cutting. Oh, sorry. Cutting social satire. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it runs the risk of being extremely self-important. Yes, yeah, that is my worry. Um, speaking of self-importance, you reminded me of Woody Allen's Celebrity, which is a movie that is in black and white, has a scene where the characters attend a movie premiere and you overhear someone talking shit about the director of the movie they're going to see as the kind of director who shoots his movies in black and white. Yeah, see, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. One, once again, Woody Allen has it all, has it all figured out. <laughs> Could he ever do any wrong? Will we ever see the end? All right. Um, oh, okay. I already know you're going to be in into this one based on the director, John Carney, who directed Once and Sing Street. Oh, okay. And also, um, we don't talk about Begin Again, but um, is back with a new movie starring, among others, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, called Flora and Son. Flora, a young mother living in Dublin, yes, lost touch with aspiration long ago. She juggles a sustenance-necessitated childcare job and a fraught co-parenting arrangement with her unkind ex as she tries to raise her son, Max. Flora and Max's brash rapport is both hilarious and revealing of their struggle to understand each other. She searches for autonomy and self-love, masquerading as selfishness, 
while his longing for independence and self-expression manifests as delinquency. When the two connect over a twice-discarded used guitar, the, united power, the uniting power of music brings them closer than what simple proximity can provide. Again, I will talk before you by saying, if I didn't know this was a John Carney movie, this would sound like a bunch of horseshit. But I like John Carney, begin again notwithstanding. Yeah, I didn't see Sing Street. So I only have once, which I really loved. And uh, yeah, I agree with you. Based on that description, I would roll my eyes, but I feel like he could probably pull it off. Yeah, or it could be another begin again, which was very bad if you ask me. Uh, next up is a midnight film called Talk, Talk to Me. This has nothing to do with the 2007 Don Cheadle vehicle. Talk to me. Oh, no. <laughs> um, the director's name here is Danny Philippou. Um, oh, sorry, it's, it's the brothers, Danny and Michael Philippou. Um, oh, they're YouTubers. Oh, boy. Okay. Oh, they're... Okay, so their YouTube name is Rekka Rekka, and they do comedic horror action videos on YouTube. All right, I'm trying not to be a million years old here. <laughs> um, and... Uh, talk to me. Conjuring Spirits has become the latest local party craze and looking for a distraction on the anniversary of her mother's death teenage mia sophie wilde is determined to get a piece of the otherworldly action when her group of friends gathers for another unruly seance with the mysterious embalmed hand that promises a direct line to the spirits they're unprepared for the consequences of bending the rules through prolonged contact as the boundary between worlds collapses and disturbing supernatural visions increasingly haunt mia she rushes to undo horrific damage before it's irreversible it sounds fine. This is almost the opposite of Florence Son, where if I didn't know it was made by YouTubers, I would be more interested. But that's me being a million years old and judgy. Yeah, I'm. I'm. The the story sounds fine, but I'm actually more interested because the YouTubers, because you never know how they're going to approach things. Like, not that I'm incredibly acquainted with youtubers but at the same time like somebody coming from a different a different form of visual medium making a feature film and a horror one at that uh definitely intrigues me so i would pick talk to me okay i uh, i will say this is already in the midnight section but on top of that sundance felt the need to included the bottom of the of the description this film contains extreme violence and gore may not be suitable for all audiences there you go see there's your selling point it kind of is yeah why didn't you just why didn't you just read that yeah i didn't notice it at first um okay i think we're on to the last pairing if you can handle it uh barely i uh i need some trach suction Okay, well, should I call your nurse? Nah, it's fine. Okay, um, then we'll do the last ones here. And I'm going to, you know what? I'm going to do that one second because I know you're going to pick it. Because I also would. Okay. So I'm going to start with a movie called Drift, directed by Anthony Chen. Um, oh, he did Elo Elo, which I did not see. Um, and it, let's see. Um, where's the cast? Cynthia, Cynthia Erivo, yay. Oh, yeah. Aaliyah Shawcat, who's a big yay for me. Uh, Honor Swinton Byrne, that's uh, 
Tilda Swinton's daughter, who was in the Souvenir movies. Those are the big names. So, um, okay. Having fled war-torn Liberia, Jacqueline, Cynthia Erivo, the formerly wealthy daughter of a government loyalist, finds herself struggling to survive on a Greek island. She gives foot massages to tourists on the beach, steals food to survive, and squats in caves and abandoned buildings. In the evenings, Jacqueline is haunted by memories of her homeland and the violent uprising that forced her escape. When she meets Callie, Aaliyah Shawcat, a lonely American tour guide, Jacqueline takes a chance on friendship. That sounds pretty interesting. I like Cynthia Erivo. Um, y- you saw Harriet, right? Yeah, but I still like her. <laughs> yeah, that's... I, I didn't see it, but uh, is is she good in it? Yeah, I guess. It's just... I mean, it's, a, it's, it's the most, like, boring biopic version you could make of such an interesting story. Yeah, okay, I figured. Um, yeah, I... I uh, my exposure to her is somewhat limited. So I do think that uh, the movie could be great or so-so based on her ability to carry it. Do you you think she can carry the movie? Yeah, I I think she's got got that ability. Um, Okay, the last one. Have you seen? I know you've been looking at the screen. Did you see anything? Uh, No. Okay, don't look because I'm going to save cast info and director info for last. This is called You Hurt My Feelings. New York novelist Beth has been working for years on the follow-up to her somewhat successful memoir, sharing countless drafts with her approving, supportive husband, Don. Beth's world quickly unravels when she overhears Don admit to her brother-in-law, Mark, that actually he doesn't like the new book. She vents to her sister, Sarah, that decades of a loving, committed marriage pale in comparison to this immense betrayal. Meanwhile, therapist Don faces his own professional problems as he finds himself unable to care about or even recall his unhappy patient's issues anymore. And they've begun to notice. So, so far, what do you think? Um, it's interesting. I do like the idea of, of someone being shattered by, uh, by uh, you know, by criticism. Um, the, the, the therapist part of it is less interesting to me, but, uh, but yeah, I, I'm guessing that... Uh, the director and cast will change my mind. The director and main star in particular because they are a reteam of movie that I think was your favorite movie that came out this year. This is a Nicole Holof Center movie starring Julia Louis-Dreyfus. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. Uh, who else is in it? Uh, you've got Tobias Menzies. Do you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Michaela Watkins. I'm a big fan of her. And then uh, Jeannie Berlin, who um, was in Inherent Vice and very... You haven't seen The Fablemans yet, but she's fantastic in The Fablemans as well. Yeah, I mean, that definitely, uh, it's interesting, actually, how how similar it is to something like Enough Said, in that, like, somebody becomes privy, privy to information they didn't have before, and they react to it, so, um... Yeah, I'd probably pick this one. Yeah, you hurt my feelings. That's definitely on my on my short list. I will say, in retrospect, Enough Said was my favorite movie of 2013. At the time, since since then, I've gone back. Great Gatsby. <laughs> uh-huh. Since since then, I uh, 
I have a different favorite movie of 2013 that I also cite as the best movie of the 2010s, which is Inside Lewin Davis. Ah, yeah. So, yeah, there you go. Both movies I saw twice. Uh, I saw Inside Lewin Davis twice in the theater. I saw Enough Said in the theater and then watched it again uh, as soon as I could uh, and at home. All right. Like you said, you've got medical needs and also shit to do. So um, you can find us at BattleshipRetention.com. You'll be able to find reviews of some of these movies at BattleshipRetention.com when I'm at Sundance. Uh, You can email us, David, at BattleshipRetention.com. I guess Tyler at BattleshipRetention.com. He's not checking his email right now. Uh, So you can tweet me at DaveyPretension. Check out my other podcast, the one where I met your mother, where Natalie and I watch an episode of Friends, an episode of How I Met Your Mother. that's it. Is there anything else you want to say before we sign off, Tyler? Uh, yeah, which is, um, all right. I'm reluctant to say this, but David is doing a lot of work right now. He's doing the show. He's maintaining the, the website. And he's doing the Patreon. And speaking of that Patreon, I think maybe you guys should subscribe we lost we lost some 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 patrons because I'm not there, and on one hand that's very that's very sweet everybody, <laughs> but David is working really hard, and he's brilliant, and he's articulate and and I'm sure the Patreon is just as good as it ever was, so if you're curious and you want to support Battleship Pretension, then check out our Patreon. I'll try to be back there when I can. But in the meantime, David and Scott and other people are doing great work over there. So so support us that way. Yeah, I mean, you said it's as good as ever it was. It's not. In fact, you know how certain... Longtime guests have like standard intros. Wes Anthony is resident musicologist. Yeah. Susan and Matt are Hollywood power couple. Susan Burke and Matt Peters. Um, Scott Nye has become the almost as good Scott Nye. <laughs> yeah, well, can't argue with that. But <laughs> at the same time, Scott sees more movies than not only anybody I know, but everybody I know combined. <laughs> That's actually, we talked about, we did New Year's resolutions. He's actually trying to watch fewer movies now. Oh, good. Yeah, that's that's helpful. I wish I knew that before I touted the Patreon. <laughs> um, but also, I should say, uh, the GoFundMe is still there. There's still a link to uh, GoFundMe um, that's pinned to the top of BattleshipRetention.com. But also, Tyler is still getting money from the patreon so that's another way that you can support tyler is sign up for, i mean it's probably just sitting in your venmo right now because i don't think you oh. uh but you've been getting money from the patreon every month uh since august so uh oh. all right money for nothing and chicks for free that's exactly what you get so yeah go to the patreon uh in the meantime thank you for listening we'll get you next time bye bye